I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, then I invite you to join me. Otherwise, you wind up with what we have now, which is true insanity. An ironclad consensus in Washington that we somehow have a moral obligation to destroy ourselves and our children's future in an utterly pointless war against Russia. What? Everyone seems to think that. And we mean everyone on both sides, from liberals like Nancy Pelosi to conservatives like Joni Ernst and everyone in between them. And that's a huge problem because it's insane. But that's not what Sandy Cortez is doing right now because it turns out she is not at all what she claims to be. Sandy Cortez may hate white people, seems like she does, but that doesn't mean she's progressive, much less liberal in any meaningful sense. No, she's the opposite. Turns out she's just another stooge like Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, a willing tool of soulless corporate power who will always side with Google, JP Morgan and Raytheon against the working, the working people she claims to represent. On no subject is this more glaringly obvious than the Ukraine war. That war provides absolutely no benefit of any kind to her constituents or by the way, to any other normal American. For the people of Queens and the Bronx, that war is all downside. No upside whatsoever. So last night at a sparsely attended town hall in the Bronx, two of Sandy Cortez's constituents said that out loud. Watch this. Congresswoman, none of this matters unless there's a nuclear war, which you voted to send arms and weapons to Ukraine. Tulsi Gabbard, she's left the Democratic Party because there are funny war hawks, okay? You originally voted, you ran as an outsider, yet you've been voting to start this war in Ukraine. your bomb. You voted to mobilize and send money to Ukrainian Nazis. You're a coward. You're a progressive socialist. Where are you against the war mobilization? He's telling the right truth. You have done nothing. Tulsi Gabbard has shown guts where you've shown cowardice. I believed in you and you became the very thing you sought to fought against. That's what you've become. 
You are the establishment and you are the reason why everybody will end up in a nuclear war unless you choose to stand up right now and denounce the Democratic Party. We can be in a nuclear war at any minute and you continue to fund it. Welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, October 14th, 2022. And I led with uh, Tulsi Gabbard's resignation from the Democratic Party. And I've got enough political experience and political instincts to know that this is a gut punch for the Democrats going into the midterm elections. Here you have a former presidential candidate for the Democratic Party, a female, leaving the party. And I just want to point out, she didn't join the Republicans. She's just leaving the Democratic Party. So on the margins, this is going to have an effect because, look, I have a really good feeling about the midterms, but it's still going to be close and every vote is going to count. And this clearly is going to pull away votes, some votes from uh, the Democrats. Now, I don't know where uh, Gabbard's going to uh, go down the row, whether she's going to join the Republican Party um, or not, but um, let's take it for what it is. Let's take the gift and run with it for the next three or four weeks. So again, I'm quite happy that Tulsi left. You know, it was kind of natural that she was going to leave. She was attacked by the Clintons, Hillary Clinton. Uh, She's been a pariah in the Democratic Party for whatever reason. Well, actually, we know because she doesn't tell the party line. But the interesting thing is, um, what I I wanted to point out is that, look, she is clearly points out that the Democratic Party right now is a warmonger party. And the following clip from Tucker Carlson shows us that, look, there's a lot of, a lot of Republicans that are also on board with this, which is insane. And I just want to point out that this is why it's really important to have MAGA candidates and MAGA winners in the midterms, because MAGA sees through this insanity that's going on in Ukraine. We're funding a war. We're funding a war that's going to lead or potentially lead to a nuclear war, which is escalating, escalating, and escalating over Ukraine. As Tucker points out, a corrupt country led by some arrogant former actor that played the piano with his genitals. If you get a chance, he's done a skit where he plays the piano with his genitals. So go back and look that up. How seriously can you take a guy that does that? And you take a look at what's gone on in Ukraine under him. And this guy is dictating American policy, dictating whether American troops are going to go into Ukraine, dictating whether the United States will get into a nuclear war with Russia. It's just absolutely insane, as Tucker Carlson said it, and I will say it. This is insanity. And with that said, I just want to go back to a, a, a quip, a, a, another clip with Tucker. I'm, uh, I'm playing a lot of Tucker uh, today, and he deserves it because his, his show last night was really important. And again, it has to do with what Zelensky must think of us. He thinks that's like we're his rich uncle or something. I want this. I want that. So let me just play it, another clip from Tucker. And it's about uh, what Zelensky is asking the United States for. And then we'll come back and discuss. And Vladimir Zelensky, the celebrity endorsed dictator of the most corrupt nation in Europe. Zelensky is now shaking down our cowardly Congress for more cash at the very moment. Our own economy and our own borders are collapsing. Watch. 
at this time we have two uh, key financial needs of the country. That's $38 billion to make up for the deficit of our budget for next year, and other $17 billion that were verified by the World Bank and needed to rebuild the critical infrastructure. We need also uh, targeted credits in the amount of $2 billion to rebuild the electric energy infrastructure after the destruction and to expand our export to uh, Europe. And this is what really gets me. We've already given them over $50 billion. Remember that, over $50 billion to Ukraine. And that included funding Ukrainian pensions, funding the war for them, funding government operations for them. And he wants more. He wants $38 billion to cover their deficit. We have a $31 trillion debt here in this country. And he's asking for money, which Congress is giving him to cover his own deficit in his own country. He wants us to fund their infrastructure. Look, I know what he's looking for. He's looking for some type of Marshall Plan for Ukraine. And why not ask? Our Congress is giving it to them. Our president is giving it to them. Meanwhile, we can't control our borders. Our economy's in shambles. We've got inflation going through the roof. We've got a president in denial about inflation and everything else. And meanwhile, Congress is funding this guy, which could get us in a nuclear war. Because all it is about escalation. And it is insane. Why? Why are we stopping at nothing to fund this country? Again, a corrupt country. It just doesn't make sense. And again, this is why it's so important to have MAGA people in office. Because they have the ability to take a step back and say, what the heck are we doing here? They're insightful enough to take a look at policy and tell us when something is insane, which is what this is. So we shall see. So inflation figures came out, and they came in hotter than expected. On Wednesday, uh, the producer price index came out, and it was uh, increased at a 0.4% versus a 0.2% expectation. And the PPI, the producer price index, is the index that gauges um, what those people or what those companies that will eventually sell uh, goods to the consumer are paying. I, I believe it used to be called the Wholesale Price Index. And that came in hotter than expected. And then a day later, on Thursday, the CPI came in and the headline figure came in at 8.2% versus an 8.1% expectation. And the core CPI came in at 6.6% versus a 6.5% expectation. And what the core CPI is, is what they do is they, they just pull out food and energy from the headline CPI to give us a, a, an additional gauge. But the way you look at it, inflation continues to go up. It continues to exceed our expectations. And again, these figures are 40-year highs. And what does Biden do? He comes out and says, oh, no, inflation only came in at a 2% increase, which is absolutely bizarre. So let me just go to this quick clip, and uh, then we'll come back and discuss. And today's report shows, though, some progress. Overall, inflation was 2% over the last three months. That's down from 11% over the prior three months. That's progress. And that's progress. 
And again, this is what the Bolsheviks want us to believe. Well, they come out with statements that are completely contrary to reality. Now, you know, Biden's trying to, oh, with over the past three months, it's been only 2%. Well, in his mind, it may be true, but in the rest of the world's mind, it's not. And look, I know the man is brain damaged. We all know that he's got problems with integrity in the first place. We all know that he has problems with his mental capacity. And we all know that his, he has problems because he's not a bright person. But I'm not willing to give this guy a pass on anything, and he shouldn't get a pass on this. Now, I also want to go to a clip, and it's by the Commerce Secretary, Raimondo. And let's just go to the clip, and then we'll just uh, discuss, because I think they've given up. I think they've really given up. So, again, let's go to this clip, and then we'll go discuss. Let's talk about inflation. Inflation is still running hot in the United States. Core CPI rising today to a 40-year high. Let's talk more about those numbers. Gina Raimondo is the U.S. Secretary of Commerce, and she joins us now. Madam Secretary, let's talk about the inflation number. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Look, obviously it's higher than we would like it to be, but the reality is... Um, there is some good news here, which is to say you're starting to see uh, housing housing costs are starting to cool. Core inflation is starting to cool. Madam Secretary, I wonder, the White House has said that its number one priority is fighting inflation. What is the plan at this point? Because I mean, it doesn't appear to be working, at least to those of us out here. I think that our actions are working, David, and certainly the Fed's actions are working. We just, I wish there were a magic wand. So just a couple of things I wanted to point out, and that was uh, from Bloomberg. And uh, the first thing I wanted to point out is just a flat-out lie. She said core inflation's going down, and it's not. It went from 6.3 actual to 6.6%. That's not going down. That's going up. And she says, oh, no, no, it's not. It's coming down. Well, that's just flat out wrong. And this is your commerce secretary telling the people this. Now, the second thing I wanted to point out is that, did you see at the tail end of this clip, she mentioned the magic wand? Well, we don't have a magic wand. We all wish we could have a magic wand. And it harkens to the day of Barack Obama. Remember the statement he made about Donald Trump? And let me play this clip. And then we'll come back and discuss. It's the magic wand clip. Because some of those jobs of the past are just not going to come back. And when somebody says, like the person you just mentioned, who I'm not going to advertise for, that he's going to bring all these jobs back. Well, how exactly are you going to do that? What are you going to do? There's, the, there's no answer to it. He just says, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, how, what, how exactly are you going to negotiate that? What magic wand do you have? And with this whole magic wand statement is by Barack and then Raimondo, they're essentially admitting that they don't know. They don't know how to fix something. And this Obama clip was from 2016. He was doing a, I think, a town hall. And someone asked him, are you going to bring manufacturing jobs back? Or how are we going to get manufacturing jobs back? And Obama essentially said, oh, we don't know how to do it. And if somebody says they're going to do it or they know how to do it, they must have a magic wand. 
because we don't have the capacity to fix your problem. And the only one that can fix a problem must have a wet magic wand. Well, then Donald Trump came in, put all these manufacturing jobs back. And that's what Riamondo is saying right now. She said, I don't have the capacity to fix this problem. We don't have the capacity to fix this problem. We don't have a magic wand. Okay, let's just take a quick look at some of the items that have gone up exponentially over the past year. And uh, let me just pick out a few items. And uh, these are the ones that should affect all of us. So airfare is up 42.9%. Pipe gas is up 33.1%. Butter and margarine is up 32.2%. Eggs are up 30.5%. Health insurance is up 28%. Public transportation is up 27.1%. Gasoline is up 18.2%. Chicken, it's up 17.2%. Electricity is up 15.5%. Milk is up 15.2%. Used cars up 7.2%. Rents up 6.7%. Alcoholic beverages, this is important, up 5.8%. Apparel, 5.5%. Major appliances have been flat. And here's a couple of items that have gone down. One of the items are televisions. TVs have gone down 17.9%. So if you're in the market for a TV, they're, they're actually down. That's one of the few bright spots for the consumer today. And then there's smartphones. Smartphones are down 21%. So if you're in the market for a smartphone, you're in good shape. But other than televisions and smartphones, we all have problems. Okay, I want to talk about two related articles. And, and the first article I want to uh, talk about is uh, about the Flo Florida Surgeon General, Joseph Ladapo. Uh, he came out with a recommendation against men under the age of 40 from getting the mRNA vaccine. So he announced new guidance on the mRNA vaccine on Friday, which is last Friday following a Florida Department of Health analysis, which found an 84% increase in the relative incidence of cardiac-related death among males 18 to 39 years old within 28 days following the mRNA vaccination. Individuals with pre-existing cardiac conditions, such as myocarditis and pericarditis, should take particular caution when considering vaccination and discuss with their health care provider, the guidance reads, and goes on to recommend against the coronavirus mRNA vaccine for men 18 to 39 years old. He also added that males over the age of 60 still had a 10% increased risk of cardiac-related death within 28 days of the mRNA vaccination. So with that said, he was attacked this past week. Twitter temporarily canceled his official posts as a result of this announcement. Now, they came back and put it back on, but this is what we're talking about today with Twitter. Again, if Elon Musk purchases Twitter, I don't think that uh, the Surgeon General has anything to worry about in the future. But my point is there is... So much more information coming out about the dangers of these vaccines and what they can do to people. 
this is going to be exposed again once the Republicans take over in January. And again, you have to come out and vote and you have to make sure that your Republicans win because they are going to investigate this. They're going to investigate the entire response to COVID, including the, these vaccines and what people know, knew, and when did they know it. And it looks like the Florida Surgeon General is taking a lead on this. He's ahead of, a cur- of the curve and he's getting attacked on it on Twitter. He's getting attacked on it by the media. But he's not changing. Good for him. He's got guts. And let me just go to a related article. And I pulled this article off of the um, Gateway Pundit. And let me just read the headlines. It says, here we go. Researchers now say video games can cause heart attacks in children if they get too excited. It says, you can't make this up. So-called researchers now warn that young people with undiagnosed heart problems are at most risk if they become too excited from playing video games. Electronic gaming has recently been reported as a precipitant of life-threatening cardiac arrhythmia in suspicious individuals, according to the study published in Heart Rhythm. And I guess Heart Rhythm is a the magazine of the Heart Rhythm Society. Now, who knew we had a Heart Rhythm Society? So the article goes on to say that video games may represent a serious risk to some children with or arrhythmic conditions that might be lethal in patients with predisposing but often previously unrecognized arrhythmic conditions, explained lead investigator Claire Lawley. So video games can trigger heart attacks in children with undiagnosed cardiac issues. And these institutions love covering for each other. And members of these institutions love covering for each other. Now, I see what they're trying to do here. They're trying to get ahead of the curve here. They know what's coming. They know these investigations on these vaccines are coming. Because we do understand that there is a spike and in heart problems with people that get these vaccines. And they're trying to get ahead of the curve. They're trying to create these studies so they can come out. And and dollars to donuts, you're going to see some of these people out there testifying when the Republicans start investigating the response to COVID. They're going to come out in there, well, you know, it's not necessarily the vaccines that cause these because kids get heart attacks from video games. And that's what these studies are doing. They're just trying to get ahead of the curve. They're trying to cover for their cohorts here. They're cohorts that are going to be on the hot seat by the Republicans. That's all these studies are. And again, they're only studies. And it's absolutely comical. Oh, a video game can cause a heart attack. Well, if a video game can, how about taking your kid to uh, a baseball game? Will the excitement of a baseball game cause your kid to get a heart attack? Or if he goes on a roller coaster, is the excitement of a roller coaster going to give your kid a heart attack? And this is, in my opinion, this is where science intermingles or or intersects with politics. There's no science here. They're just looking to protect the pharmaceutical industry and the government doctors and the government so-called experts. That's what they're looking to do. Oh, no, it couldn't be the vaccines. It's got to be video games. All these people dropping dead from heart attacks? Oh, no, it's not the vaccine. Well, the Florida Surgeon General just came out and said, yeah, you want to reconsider taking these vaccines if you're 
within a certain age group. Oh, no, they're not dying. They're dying from video games. They're having heart attacks from video games. They're having heart problems from video games. Not the vaccine. That's what's coming. And there'll be more and more of this as we get closer to the investigation because they're just looking to cover for each other. And that's part of the corruption of the medical profession. Now, speaking of how our medical profession has been politicized, let's go to an article here about California. So, Governor Gavin Newsom recently signed California Assembly Bill 2098, making it the first state to attempt to censor what physicians can say about COVID-19 to their patients. The statute instructs that it shall constitute unprofessional conduct for a physician and surgeon to disseminate misinformation or disinformation related to COVID-19, including false and misleading information regarding the nature and risks of the virus, its prevention and treatment, and the development, safety, and effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines. California law requires the Medical Board of California to take action up to and including license revocation against any licensed physicians charged with unprofessional conduct. But under the First Amendment, content-based free speech regulation by government entities is presumptively unconstitutional and may be justified only if the government proves that it is narrowly tailored to serve compelling state interests. So here we have it. It's the first step in the official merger of our medical profession with government. So the question is, who's going to determine what misinformation is? It's going to be the government. And those in the medical profession are aligned with the government. Now, people are saying, oh, it's unconstitutional. It'll be challenged in court. But that's not the issue. The issue here is the threat to doctors in California. What they'll do is they'll make each doctor that's charged with misinformation to spend a million dollars defending themselves. They'll be proven right in court. But they'll be out a million dollars. And and that's the message they're sending to doctors. And that's what how Democrats work. It's called lawfare. And this is why the Republicans have to win. And this mentality of the Democratic Party today has to be crushed. And if you're a doctor, you should be on board with the Republicans because they're coming after you. So I got to tell you a quick story about me trying to get out of my PayPal account. So I guess PayPal came out about a week ago and said they were going to fine people up to $2,500 for spreading misinformation as determined by them. So if you're a PayPal subscriber or customer, and I guess if they read something uh, they don't like uh, that you posted on Twitter or Getter, you're going to get fined 2500 bucks. So for those of you who don't use PayPal, it's a, uh, it's a fintech payment service company. And essentially what you do, if you buy something online, you can use PayPal um, to make the payment to uh, the company that you're buying a product from. That, that's PayPal in the simplest terms. And there was an uproar about it. And then they came out and they said, oh, no, we changed our mind. We really didn't mean it. Um, It was a typo. They think we're dumb. And they can't blame it on a typo. So anyway, I I realized I had set up a PayPal account, I guess, I don't know, 10 years ago. I guess maybe when it first came out. I never used it. I actually forgot it was there. But then I I was just going over the accounts that I 
have. And I noticed I had a PayPal account. So well, I'm going to cancel this account. So I called up and tried to cancel it. And I spent over an hour trying to cancel it. And to, even to, at this moment, I don't know whether my account is officially canceled. So here's what they did. I apparently had a $6 credit on my account. So they said, well, if you want to cancel it, you, you know, you got to, this has to be zero. I go, okay, well, just send me the check. Send me a check for $6. Oh, we can't do that. Why? Well, you're not verified. Well, what do you mean I'm not verified? You verify me when I open the account. Why can't you use the same verification and addresses when you mail me a check? So what they were doing, they were just trying to make it extremely hard to close my account. So finally, I went to like two supervisors and a manager. And the manager said, okay, we'll cut you the check. And again, this is about an hour, a little over an hour of going back and forth with them. But this is what we're dealing with. You know, we've got these institutions, these fintech institutions that are just full of petty people. And they've personalized everything at the expense of providing a good product to people. But it's just hilarious at this point what they're doing. They, they, they act like children. And I think if you're a stockholder in this company, you really have to consider who's running this operation that allows this to happen. You know, same thing with Twitter. You know, apparently uh, they have 4,000 employees that had access to personal information of their clients. But it's just strange. But, we, you know, we have to take a second look at these fintech companies, who's running these companies, who's running these high-tech companies, because they they sound like just really, really immature and petty people. So enough said on that. I'll let you know if I'm officially canceled. All right, let's go to our loser of the week. And our loser of the week for this week is... It's the board of directors of the Nobel Prize. And the reason I'm giving the board of directors for the Nobel Prize the loser of the week is because they just announced they were giving Ben Bernanke the Nobel Prize for Economics. Now, you remember Ben Bernanke. Bernanke was the Fed chair that during the 2008 financial crisis chose to bail out the banks and gave us quantitative easing, which artificially kept interest rates low, pumped up assets artificially, and helped create the problem we're in today. So all those low savings rates, the people that like to save that were getting 0%, 0.2% in their checking and savings accounts, you can blame him. He's the one that also overlooked a lot of information that caused the financial crisis in 2008. This is the case of these institutions trying to protect themselves. They realize that this whole concept of quantitative easing and artificially low interest rates have caused major economic problems today. Well, they got to protect one of the people that helped push this along. And that's why they gave it to Bernanke. And remember, this is the same group that gave the Nobel Peace Prize to Obama. And to this day, they can't tell you why, logically. I think if a push came to shove, I think they said that, oh, it's what he represents, not what he did. Oh, really? So for that reason, the board of directors of the Nobel Prize get this week's Loser of the Week.
All right, let's go to the financial markets. And this week can be best described as wild. There was just wild swings, down and up, up and down. And quite frankly, this uh, market doesn't know what it's doing. No one has a clue about what this market is going to do. All these so-called experts, they don't know. They're on all these talking head shows. They're just blabbing and blabbing and blabbing, doing anything to try to pump the market up. And I think the only honest person this week in the markets was, I forgot who it was, but uh, I think maybe it was an anonymous person. And it was on Thursday when the uh, uh, surprise CPI numbers came out to the upside, and uh, which under normal circumstances uh, would have been terrible for the market. But uh, after initially trading down about 500 points, it ended up up over 800 points. And... Whoever they interviewed, I think it was on Bloomberg or uh, Yahoo Finance, the person said, well, we just ignored the data. And that's what they did. They just ignored the data on Thursday and just ran the market up 800 points. And that's what the markets come down to, which is dangerous. No one knows what they're doing. No one wants to tell the truth. And this market will continue to have pressure on it, just continue to have pressure on it. Because I don't think earnings are going to save it. And we're coming into earnings season. All right, for today, the Dow finished down 1.34% to 29,634.83. The S&P finished down 2.37% to 3,583.07. And the NASDAQ finished down today 3.08% to 10,321.39. For the week, the Dow was up 1.15%, while the S&P was down 1.55%, and the NASDAQ was down 3.11% for the week. Year-to-date, the Dow is down 18.45%, the S&P is down 24.82%, and NASDAQ is down 34.03%. The 10-year finished today trading at 5 o'clock at uh, over... 4%. 4%. It finished at 4.022%, while the two-year finished at 4496 And again, this is an in- inverted yield curve, which indicates a recession. Oil futures is trading at $85.55 uh, per barrel. That's uh, WTI. Gold futures is trading at $1,650.20 an ounce, while silver futures is trading at $18.20 per ounce. And right now it is uh, 10.14 in the evening on Friday, and Bitcoin is trading at $19,163. Ethereum is trading at $1,298.25, and XRP is trading at $0.49. Let's take a look at... uh, next week's calendar and on monday october 17th we've got the empire state manufacturing index on tuesday october 18th we have the industrial production index uh and the nahb home builders index on wednesday october 19th we have building permits housing starts and the beige book the beige book is a summarization of our economy put out by the fed on thursday we have our initial jobless claims 
Then we have the Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index, existing home sales, and leading economic indicators. And then on Friday, we have the Index of Common Inflation Expectations, 5 to 10 years, and the Index of Common Inflation Expectations for a 10-year period. And with that said, thank you so much for listening. Have a good week. And remember, everything will get better.